Welcome to In the News Show. I'm your host, Judy Desagatis, and I'm here with my co-host, Father Bill Weary. How are you, Father Bill? Very good. How are you, Judy? Good, good. Hello to our audience and welcome. Um, I want to thank Joe Murphy, who's filling in today as our technician. We appreciate him. And also David Hillowitz, who provides our theme music every week. So without further ado, we're going to get started. And um, of course, you know, top of mind has been, you know, Pope Francis has been a busy guy. Uh, Unfortunately, there have been some funerals going on and um, Cardinal Pell just passed away. And uh, of course, Pope Benedict XVI, we discussed that on our other show. Um, But I just kind of wanted to... uh, talk with father and have him comment on um some several major opposition the cardinal's positions have been taking against the pope and their documentation such as the uh the recently late cardinal pell and his memorandum um archbishop george uh, gonswain and cardinal Mueller. so um can we take we can take these collectively father tell us what you know and uh what we need to know well this is very significant uh, that these uh th- three high churchmen would be pointing out uh, concerns regarding the administration of Pope Francis. The memorandum of Cardinal Pell is is devastating and relates to the administration of Pope Francis as being a disastrous, a a catastrophic, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think toxic as well, and largely theologically and and doctrinally. Uh, Cardinal Pell, uh, of course, is the Australian cardinal, a former Archbishop of Sydney, who became the Pope's chief financial uh, guy at at the Vatican when he had to face charges. Everybody remembers this. Mm -hmm. Had to face charges back in Australia of um, child abuse, uh, from which he he went to to jail for about a year, uh, but then was exonerated completely by the highest court of the land. In any case... Uh, he came back and um, he wrote up this before he died. He wrote up this memorandum and had it circulated among the College of Cardinals, um, expressing concerns for the synod on synodality, especially as it's carried out, conducted in Germany, and um, how it seems to be in so many ways out of control. And Cardinal Pell has been very critical of that particularly the pro-LGBTQ, that's, for those who don't know, that's lesbian, bisexual, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, uh, um, gay, uh, Q is questioning. Did I get them all? Trans. Transgender. Yeah. I I knew I missed something. (laughs) Uh, Transgender. Uh, And of course, uh, in in Germany, in in wide circles now, among the clergy, they're blessing those... um, those unions. To uh, to be clear, they they have not gone as far as doing actual marriage ceremonies, um, exchange of vows. Uh, they have not done that, uh, but they are blessing the, the, those unions uh, in some sort of ceremony, I believe. And the um, the position of, of many Catholics, including me, is you, you can't do that either, uh, because that that is blessing sin. And that was a that was also a decision that came out from the um, dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, uh, by uh, written by Cardinal Luis Ladaria Ferrer on um, 2017. He was appointed, and um, 
to the um, to that dicastery, that department. And he came out with a statement uh, saying that that you cannot do that. You cannot bless sin. You can't do those ceremonies. But it's being done with impunity in Germany, in the German Catholic Church right now. So Pell expressed concerns about that in his in his memorandum and uh, other other theological issues as well. Uh, communion to the to, to the divorced and remarried without a previous annulment and um, so, and then there's a Gonsvein, a Gonsvein, um, George Gonsvein, Archbishop, a former uh, secretary to Benedict XVI, and he's um, written a book, uh, also very critical, of, of Pope Francis, and um, has spoken about in his book that there were there were tensions between him and Benedict XVI, even after Benedict abdicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that they were um, you know they were in disagreement uh, um, among certain things, especially about the traditional Latin Mass, which is you know uh, Pope Francis is virtually suppressed, uh, with some exceptions to that, but he's really cut back on the the practice of the traditional Latin Mass, whereas pretty much before under the Benedict XVI it was open season. It was you could anybody anybody anywhere anytime. Could celebrate the traditional Latin Mass, <clears throat> and so that's been uh, cut back on. And Geinswein, uh speaks critically uh, of that, and the same theological uh, issues that um, Pell Pell would have. And um, then, the, so this is this is incredible. This is really something um, that these men would be expressing these concerns, and the Pope really has to listen to them. Um, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm thinking of Cardinal uh, Hollerich at uh, Jean Claude Hollerich, Archbishop of Luxembourg, who is the uh, president of the of the bishops' uh, conf- uh, commission of the bishops' conferences of the European Union, and um, he is heading up the synod on synodality. He's the Relator General of the upcoming synod on synodality. It's a big, almost like a church council that's going to happen in 2024. There's all kinds of preparation work being done now. And he is also very much in favor of blessing uh, same-sex unions in, in some capacity and changing the church's teachings on the, you know, sexuality. And so also, also artificial contraception. Um, he said, Humane Vitae, I'm quoting Cardinal Hollerich, Humane Vitae is a marvelous text. It is truly, truly sad that has gone into history only for its ju- judgment on contraception. Today, the world has radically changed. Um, first, sexuality and the gift of life were separated, and now also sexuality and affection, uh, unquote. But um, he, he's, he's talking about uh, reversing that in various ways or water, watering it down. It's all uh, f- from uh, these uh, elements in the church. It's all a, an attempt to uh, appease uh, the, the, those um, who oppose the doctrine of the faith and to uh, reach out to them, which is admirable, but it doesn't work. It certainly doesn't increase church attendance or anything like that. And certainly there is the mandate of charity. We always get that, that we should be, uh, we should, you know, love our enemies, turn the other cheek, but we also have to stand for the truth. And that these, uh, these three cardinals uh, would, uh, would do that is, is very admirable. And I hope the Pope does listen. Yeah, I want to add to that too, Father. Um, and we've talked about uh, Bishop George Botzig, who is the head of the German Bishops' Conference. I have an article here from LifeSite News, and this just piggybacks on what you were saying. 
is uh, the title of it says the German bishop, meaning Botzig, announces <laughs> new guidelines forcing priests to accept homosexuality and transgenderism. Wow. So, you know, we knew there was trouble going on in the German church, but now this article is talking about he, he's using a heavy hand saying that these guidelines were authorized by Bishop George Botzig, who heads the heterodox synodal way, as well as the DBK, which is the head of the German Bishops' Conference. Um, but these comments were only made public Tuesday night during an online event in the di- from the Diocese of Limburg. Um, mm-hmm. And he's saying that every person has the right to sexual self-determination and the free choice over their own life decisions. This must be promoted and respected. So um, this is another situation where, which causes concern for us going against the, the ways of the church. Um, so I wanted to add that on to what you were saying and, and the other comments that have been made. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of St. Paul, who said, you are not your own. You have been bought and at a price. So glorify God in your bodies. Glorify God in mm-hmm. your body. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the right to our own sexual self-determination. Right. We are to conform ourselves to the will of God as transmitted by divine revelation, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, as uh, interpreted and promoted and promulgated by the authentic uh, teaching authority of the church, the magisterium. And that's what we are to uh, orientate ourselves toward. So these are these are grave concerns uh, that, that we have. And I know that God's in charge. We all know that. And I'm confident of that as well. But we have to pray hard. Uh, that uh, these uh, uh, that a, a course correction will be issued, especially with the German church and certain elements, you know, even in this country and around the world. Does this seem to s- spell schism at all? It's it. You know, uh, the German church has said uh, we don't want to go into schism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget which church leader said that, but but it seems de facto heresy and schism. Uh, so all, all, all I can hope for and we can hope for is uh, enlightenment of hearts and minds uh, to see the, the correct way to move and in the, according to the will of God as taught by the Bible and by the church. Uh, but schism, I mean, it's, I think it's in everybody's mind, mm-hmm. especially regarding Germany. So we're all going to have to see how that plays out. And as you said, Father, Make sure that we take that uh, on our prayer list. And I just want to mention one other thing as we come up to almost the uh, end of the first half of the show is uh, the spiritual work of mercy about uh, admonishing the sinner and instructing the ignorant. So true. You know, I I struggle with that, too, because we want to be charitable and we want to be inclusive and we want to love all people because God commands us to do that. But we cannot sanction the actions of a sinner that are against that, that, you know, and advocate sin, as you said so many times on this show. How can you admonish the sinner if you cannot point out sin, right? Right, right. Uh, you got you to be able to say, that's a sin, what yeah. you're doing. And that's charity. And that is a spiritual work of mercy, mm-hmm. as you said, that gains grace for both both parties, mm-hmm. both, both the sinner and the admonisher. And so uh, this is what we uh, pray and hope for, that uh, we have the courage it takes a lot of courage to do it, to admonish the sinner. It takes a lot of courage. Uh, but that we have that spiritual courage and that people will listen to us. Yeah. Amen to that. 
Um, we have about a minute to go. And so on the other side of the, the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, reviewing the March for Life that just took place in, in a couple of locations, not only D.C., but I also participated one in Palmyra. And um, just want to leave this before we go to the second half. That Mark Houck, who's the pro-life husband and father who uh, was arrested recently by the FBI, his trial will be starting tomorrow uh, when we air this now, which would be the January 24th. So um, we'll be right back because we're going to go to the second half of the show on the other side. But just a couple of things to be thinking about. Please stay with us. You're listening to 720 WHYF Holy Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the In the News show. Um, Before we went to the break, we were talking about that we just had the March for Life in D.C. And then I also participated in the March for Life in Palmyra. It was very successful. We had about in Palmyra, we had about 40 people from Holy Spirit Parish. And we did walk to the Palmyra Square and we did some prayers um, and carried signs. Uh, The Knights of Columbus were a big part of that and setting that up. And we had a really good turnout. Um, I did get to look at some of the... March for Life in D.C. and had some wonderful speakers, as usual. Um, And certainly this was the 50th anniversary. um, uh, And as you said, Father, on our last show, it was a little bit of a victory lap with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But it was nice to see that so many young people and that it was just as crowded as before Roe v. Wade had been overturned, that uh, obviously we still have a lot of work to do with the um, going back to the decisions going back to the states. So I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of review of that and how successful that was. So um, we will continue to forge ahead uh, with our marches. And I know there's going to be one in Pennsylvania probably in September again. And I think a lot of states are going to be uh, doing March for Life um, now that that decision has been returned to the state. So that's good news. I did want to bring up uh, another topic. Uh, This is, you know, uh, kudos to the Philadelphia Flyers, Ivan Provorov. Um, He is a player and he sparks a media firestorm. This is from National Catholic Register. In Philadelphia last week, they had a pride uh, pride night, uh, LGBTQ plus pride night, and they had a pride jersey that a lot of the players were wearing in, in celebration of the event. And he's a Flyers defenseman, and he cited his Russian Orthodox faith in his decision to decline wearing that uniform for that Pride night. And he basically said that he respects all people. I res- this is what he said. He told the media, and I quote, I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion, and that's all I'm going to say. So kudos to him for sticking wow. up for what's right. That is so courageous to, to stand up. And, and be the only voice in a group like that, in that kind of context, and to uh, stand one's ground on the truth uh, out of his Russian Orthodox faith. And I love the Orthodox churches. I think they're, they're wonderful. And uh, he is to be commended for that and setting a great example. He'll be excoriated, I know, in, in the media, maybe by his teammates as well. Mm-hmm. But I hope he, he stays the course on that and he'll receive many blessings from God. And we should all, you know, consider uh, in our various environments that we 
circulate in family, work, uh, whatever, uh, that we, you know, make known the truth to others when the opportunity arises. It doesn't mean we have to stand on our soapbox and pound the pulpit and thump the Bible. No, but just to, to speak our, our minds on, on what the truth is and what's right and what's wrong. And uh, that's part of Christianity. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, this uh, athlete has really shown us the way on that. Yeah, and just wanted to mention a couple of things, too, is that uh, back in the day, as I like to say, um, during two of the World Wars, Quakers refused to carry carry guns. Um, And in 1965, the great (coughs) Dodger pitcher Sandy Koufax, he refused to play in the first game of the World Series because it fell on Yom Kippur. And he was a, a Jewish player. Um, and he was honored for putting faith before a game, even one as as important as a World Series game. So these things uh, have been pe- people have given pushback in the past and nobody really said anything. But I know that this um, the LGBTQ um, uh, agenda and, you know, uh, their their recognition in the eyes of diversity and inclusion. It's, it's been a lot of really big push. But, Father, I wanted to ask you a question because I know that you work with the Courage Movement. Do you feel that the LGBTQ community really care about all this fuss, or do they just want to be respected as everyone else? I mean, do they really expect having all these big, you know, are they in favor of all this? I know they want to be recognized, but all this fuss that's made about, you know, pride nights and pride flags. What what is your take on that? Well, my, my take on that is that it's pretty activist it's pretty uh, advocacy orientated. Uh, there may be those who just, you know, just want to be left alone, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard to m- measure that. But they are pretty loud, and they are pretty prominent, and uh, they um, uh, uh, do, you know, take part in, in the pride nights and the and the parades mm-hmm. and, and all that. And for what, what I get in the media, I get a a, a very a, my major news platform is uh, pretty. Uh, pretty progressive and pretty uh, up-to-date, shall we say. And uh, there is a real promotion that seems to be in play there, a real um, push for not only acceptance, but support. Uh, I I detect a real edge to it. And once Mm -hmm. again, this this athlete on the Philadelphia Flyers uh, is is to be commended. So it's hard to say. You know, but but I but I am detecting, you know, the and measuring in in my own observation how strong it is in Mm -hmm. terms of pushing their agenda on us. Right. Right. Okay. Um, Another I wanted to mention a disturbing article that I saw on LifeSite News. Um, This came up uh, just on Saturday on LifeSite News. Um, New York City has now begun distributing free abortion pills, quote unquote, to anyone. And the thing that is really disturbing about about this is uh, Mayor Adams has boasted by quoting, no other city in the nation or in the world has a public health department that has provided medication abortion. We are the first. So he sounds like he's loud and proud about that, which is really nothing to be loud and proud about. Yeah. And let's remember, abortion is not medicine. That's right. It's not medical care. That's right. Um, It's uh, the killing of the child in the in the womb so uh this is terrible and uh the 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 abortion pill is brutal <clears throat> i mean it was depicted in the uh, unplanned the movie unplanned about That's abby right. johnson yep. mm-hmm. and i remember a scene in the movie mm-hmm. about that where she had taken that that pill and it's just uh it just tears 
the, the mother's guts inside out, just about. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, that New York City would be doing this is lamentable. Uh, that is that is a shame. And um, hopefully, you know, with the work that we do, uh, the, the post Dobbs world that we live in, we can turn people's hearts and minds around on that by promoting ultrasounds, by promoting movies like Unplanned. And so uh, and, and maybe by somehow reversing uh, what, what New York City is doing as well. We've had some amazing victories in the, in the pro-life movement. Uh, just um, not uh, just dogs, but locally, the closing of Hillcrest mm-hmm. uh, ab- abortion mill and Front Street of Harrisburg and miracles do happen with prayer and with our brand of advocacy, too, because we're entitled to it as well. Demonstrations in favor of life. And we just pray that, as you said, Father, that a lot of hearts are just open um, to understanding that these pills are not an alternative. As you said, they're not health care. And actually just what happens when a woman does take these pills, just as like people need to understand what actually happens during an abortion. Um, there's been some things, of course, around the March for Life, and EWTN has had some things on where, where they've actually had people describing what happens with an abortion. And, and the gentleman was describing a doctor with the forceps in his hand and what happens. Oh, yeah. And I think people really need to understand that. And, and maybe if they do understand it or open their heart a little bit, um, there might be some opening to, to hearing the truth and hopefully put this thing, you know, to bed for, for a while. Um, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, um, I figured that they are probably going to be looking for alternatives. And this is definitely not an alternative. Um, and to promote it as such is just to just continue to promote the killing of innocent life. So um, we'll, we'll pray for opening of hearts for that as well. Um, I did want to mention something when you talk about uh, social media. Uh, th- this is another one. I, I, I didn't think I'd ever see this. I know that a while ago on NPR, they actually uh, recorded a, a live abortion. And now they've, uh, na- a woman has now recorded, a young, a young woman, a 12-year-old girl, um, on social media, she recorded her suicide. What? Yeah, so this girl, the girl's phone has a video recording of her death, which is now in the hands of the law enforcement. This actually happened in uh, the Santa Fe province in Argentina, and she recorded her death on her cell phone. Um, So um, this was a a death of uh, hanging, and it was recorded. So, um, you know, again, social media can be used in such good ways, but this is certainly not one way to, uh, to, um, you know... they actually it went viral, of course, um, and th- they are uh, piggybacking it on the fact that initially her death was thought to be linked. And I wasn't aware of this previously to the viral TikTok blackout challenge, quote unquote, which consists of holding your breath until you faint. So they're having all these challenges, like when they would have the challenges of people would throw the hot, the cold water on you, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, and they're now having these very scary life-threatening, demonic challenges well, that people TikTok, are attempting to I do. Hear more and more, TikTok is demonic. Yes. And, and, and dark. I've never been on it. Oh, um, uh, me neither. But um, I, I just hear that it is really bad, and a bad influence on the young. Um, let's switch gears a little bit because that's some, some of the, the articles, as we know, every, every time we record can be a little bit uh, hard to, to take. But 
This I thought was very interesting. This was from um, the Catholic News Agency. So the oldest person in the world, French Catholic nun Sister Andre, passed away, and she was 118 years old. Wow. God bless her. Yeah, she um, she became the world's oldest person on April 19th, 2022, when uh, Kane Tanaka of Japan died. He was uh, 119. So, um, and she was just talking about, uh, just to, um, we have about a minute to go, so I'll just, we can end with this and then we can go to prayer. But um, she did test positive for COVID-19 and she survived that. And uh, she just said she wasn't scared. Because she's happy um, and that she was ready to go to to meet her her Lord and that she should take a little bit of, uh, you know, wine every day. And uh, she had, you know, a couple of her own little things that uh, so it's nice to see that somebody like this, uh, a French nun, was able to hold that record for a while. And, you know, it does go to show that the holy people do live a long time. (laughs) We'd like to think. Right. And that holy people can take a little bit of wine every now that's and then. That's right. That's right. So Paul. so with with that, if you could uh, give us a blessing, Father, and we'll be on our way. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, please bless us in this uh, new year of 2023 as we continue on to greater adventures that you have in store for us. Bless Holy Family Radio. Keep us always in your grace through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father.